Is there anyone in your life that you really look up to that, uh, oh, you just hate to disappoint? I mean, if, if there was some moral failure on your part and, and that person found out about it, you would be crushed. Um, probably all of us have people that have so influenced us that we just want their favor. We want their favor. We, we want them to look at us with pride and we want them to look at us with, um, with favor. I remember when I was in sixth grade, we had a guy graduate from um, college, and he was just hired by the school that I was in. He was so cool. I mean, he was fresh out of school. He wasn't uh, the typical teacher, and I had him for my homeroom that year. And man, he was, he brought a whole new perspective to teaching to me. You know, I thought, well, how, this is neat. And I wanted to do well in his class and on his test because I didn't want to disappoint him. I wanted his favor. When I was in college, there was a guy, you know, this is back before the day when everybody had caller ID and you could do all this kind of stuff. Um, so phone pranks were the thing. You know, people would call in the middle of the night and call somebody up and, you know, harass them. There was a guy that was kind of in our circle of friends that was making a whole lot of those phone calls, and we felt was crossing the line. And so we decided we were going to teach him a lesson. One of the guys in our group had access somehow to presidential stationery at the school, and we typed up a letter as if it were from the president of the college and put it in that boy's mailbox and said, I know about such and such. You need to meet meet with me and the dean uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, the guy got that letter, read it, and we were all waiting in the room for him to come in. We were in his room, and, and he came in from school that day, and he just walked straight over, didn't say a word to us, reached up and grabbed his suitcase and put it down and opened it up and started putting his clothes in his suitcase. And we said, what, what, what is going on? What, what, what happened? And, and he told us the whole story about the letter and everything. And, and he said, I just hate it for mother. You know, that, that was all he could think. That was all he could verbalize is that I just hate it for mother. Uh, he was so worried because he was going to disappoint his mother. Is there someone in your life that you would just absolutely not want to disappoint? Someone that you always want their favor. Well, that should be the way it is with God. You know, beyond what people think of us, surely we've got to look beyond that and think how we need the favor of God. I don't want to do anything to disappoint him. I want him to be proud to be able to call me one of his sons or you one of his sons or daughters. Um. Uh, the bulletin article this morning, I, I wrote a little article on the front uh, of it, on the front page. It's about a boy by the name of Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. And by the time he was 16, he had made a lot of reforms. He had torn down the high places in Israel. He uh, had removed idolatry. Uh, he was bringing about a restoration. He was bringing back the law, and people were beginning to practice uh, the religion as they were supposed to. He was a great king, so great 
that God comes to him and says, Josiah, you have my favor. I'm proud of you. And because of that, I have something that I'm going to give you. And I don't know that it came down this way, but you can imagine, what if it came down this way? God comes to Josiah and says, Josiah, I have a gift for you. Wow, a gift from God? I mean, what could that be? What would you imagine? The the God of heaven, the one who created everything, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it's all his. He's giving me a gift. Wow, this is going to be good. This is better than a rich uncle, you know, passing away. What is God going to give me? So Josiah says, well, Lord, what, what could it be? And he says, I'm going to let you have an early death. What? I mean, can you imagine that being the gift that God gives you? Oh, you get to die early. You see, Josiah, by the age of 39, he was dead. And it was God's gift to him. It was God's favor upon his life. God could not bear the fact that Josiah would live long enough to see Israel turn from all the reformation that he had brought about, all the reforms, and go back to paganism and idolatry. And God said, for you, Josiah, I am going to take you out of this world before this ever happens so that you'll never have to see it. A gift of dying. Not what you think of when you hear God say to you, I'm going to give you a gift. Here's the, the point of today's lesson. And I want you to think about uh, throughout the, this is kind of the big point. We should desire God's favor. But God's favor doesn't mean ease. God's favor doesn't mean life gets easier. God's favor doesn't mean problems go away. In fact, it might mean the exact opposite. From the way we view things, dying at 39 by an enemy's arrow, that's not a good thing. God said, it's my gift to him. We view things from a different point of view, and we need to start viewing things from God's point of view, and maybe we can see better out of certain events. But here's what I want you to see. God's favor does not necessarily mean Blessings, ease, comfort, joy that will fall upon my life. I want to give you proof of that by looking at a couple people. If you have your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. In Genesis chapter 6, we find that Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. He did all that the Lord commanded him. He was righteous in an unrighteous world. And because of that, God looked down upon him with favor. That's what we want. But boy, it didn't bring ease to Noah's life. Because immediately, Noah is told, well, you're going to have to build an ark. Do you know what kind of task that would be? I don't, I can't imagine, I can't comprehend, you know, what kind of tools he had. He had no power tools. But to build an ark that was the size, well, I've heard Greg Woodall say, if you look straight down that hallway and go through the double doors and go through into the the small multi-purpose room and all the way to the kitchen and stuff, that that's about how long it is. And as I stand here, I can see down that way, that's a long hallway. 
Um, I kind of walked it off today, and it's actually from maybe my step. He probably did it precisely with a tape measure. I didn't. But um, it's quite a bit longer than that. And then the width of the ark, um, you know, beyond the width of the, the auditorium here in the front, maybe from that first light to that first light, um, I still don't think that that quite gets it. I wasn't walking over pews to kind of measure it off either. Uh, so, But that width going that long, three stories high. It's not just a, a barge that's one story. It's three stories high. This is, or 50 cubits, this is, this is a big undertaking. How long do you think it took him to do that? How much work, how much sweat was expended in making this, this ark that God commanded him to make? It wasn't easy at all, but he had God's favor. And then who wants to sit in a boat for a year? Have you ever thought about what that would have been like, to have just sat in a boat and done whatever it is that they did to pass the time during that time, I know God was with them. I, I don't know that Noah had to take care of every single animal. I think God was there and, and helped him. Well, he said he was there and helped him. Um, but what he had to do for for a year would have been very difficult. And then while building the ark, the daily ridicule, the derision, the people laughing at, what are you doing, Noah? Man, what, what, what kind of a structure is this? What are you thinking about? He found favor in the eyes of God, but it wasn't easy. God's favor made life a little bit more difficult for Noah. You come to Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, and look at verses 28 and 30. The angel of the Lord is speaking to Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The Lord is with you, highly favored one. Blessed are you among all women. It was quite an honor to be the mother of Jesus. But do you think that came without price? Well, immediately she had conflict with her husband or her husband-to-be, Joseph. Joseph thought she had been unfaithful. I mean, how do you go explain that? Joseph, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a child, and you're not the father, but I've been faithful. He didn't believe it. When she came and told him what had taken place, he wanted to put her away. It was a breakup situation. How easy would that have been for her? And then once an angel appears to Joseph to change his mind, he didn't change his mind because of what Mary told him. It was just too much to believe. But an angel came to Joseph and said, Hey, Joseph, what she told you is the truth. And so Joseph is okay with it. But what about everybody else on the street? What about all of her friends, all of her family, all of her relatives, all the people that that she would encounter? Don't you think there were whispers in town about Mary? It wouldn't have been easy. And then to think that you were to bring in this child, and, and this child was to grow up and be the Savior of the world, and you had to sit at the feet of the cross, at His feet at the cross, 
and watch this happen to your own son, to your own child? How can you as a parent imagine watching the death of your child, the murder, the execution of your child? Can you imagine how hard that must have been? Do you imagine how that must have replayed in her mind over and over and over again? The image must have burned into her mind. Would not have been an easy thing to witness. But she was highly favored by God. Then we can turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. And, and the same is said of Jesus. Jesus was highly favored by God. But look at what Jesus had to do. He had to give up heaven. He had to come to this earth. He had to die on the cross. He, he had to do without. He, he never pursued his own agenda. He always pursued the agenda of God. He never, well, he sacrificed self. He came to be a servant, a ransom for many. That could not have been easy. The point that I'm making is, the point that I'm making is that God's favor doesn't mean our ease. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in our Bible class on Mythbusters. There are people that think, oh, I've got to get baptized. Man, I've had so many things happen in my life. My life has fallen apart. I've got to get, I've got to get square with God so that things will go better. I think that's a wrong assumption. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean things are going to go better for you, that you're going to get your job back and your wife's going to come home and you'll have custody of your children again and, and all those kind of things. That, that doesn't happen just because you're a child of God. God's favor does not equate to our ease, our comfort, our joy and pleasure. So then here's the question. Why would God let us suffer? I mean, if we have enough about us that we see him, we see the world, we have our options, and we choose him, why then wouldn't he let us? I mean, he's God. He, he has the power to do things. He can manipulate events in this world. Why doesn't he make it easy for us? Why doesn't he give us an extra bit of protection? I know the rain falls upon the just and the unjust, but we're his children, why not just kind of pave that road just a little bit for us to make it easier to walk? I mean, is that something beyond what a father would do for his son? Uh, that seems consistent with the character of God to, to show his love for his children. So why do we have problems? Why does God's favor equal out so often tough times for us? Well, I want to give you about three or four reasons and then the lesson will be yours. Why doesn't God just make it easy? Why doesn't he, when we obey the gospel, just make life come easy, gracefully? No more suffering, no more pain, no more heartache. Well, for one thing, hardship can be good for us. Again, it's that measuring stick. How, do you, how many inches is water? Well, we don't, we don't measure, you know, water in terms of inches. I mean, how, how are you going to, are you putting it in this? Are you putting it in this? You, you, you've got to have a different measurement. Um, or if, if I said, how much does, um, you know, well, I can't even think of an illustration right now. But, you know, whether we're talking about things, weight or length, you, you can't measure things like that. 
by using the wrong standard. What we do is, if something hurts, it's bad. If something's pleasant, it's good. That's pretty much the standard, the the yardstick that we typically use, but it's not right. It may be sometimes, but just as many times it may not be. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 71, he said, It was good for me that I have been afflicted. Have you ever had bad stuff happen to you and you say, You know what? Looking back on that, I'm glad that happened because it woke me up. I wasn't heading in the right direction. And when that happened, when that painful period in my life took over me, it was good because it drove me to my knees and it made me think about what I, where I was heading and what I was doing in my life. And now I'm back living for God. And had that not happened to me, I don't know where I'd be. Do you know how many times sickness, death, uh, the fear of death... Um, impending, you know, chronic illness. Do you know how many times that works for a person's good when they realize, man, I'm mortal. I'm not going to live forever. I'm frail. I better get my life right. David said, it was good that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So hardship can be a good thing. Not pleasant, but good. Also, hardship can help us to prioritize our lives, can it not? What, what's Matthew 6, verse 33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, we know it, but do we do it? It's so easy to let other things come between us and God. Um, man, it's rainy out there. And I just got my hair done yesterday. Or I just got this, those clothes, I don't want to get my clothes wet. um, I'll have to walk from the parking lot to the building. Do you think that we let little things sometimes get between us and God and and seeking God first? We, We do, without a doubt. And it can be our jobs, it can be our families, it can be a host of things. But when trouble comes my way, it helps me to prioritize. All of a sudden... I get to thinking, is this worth it? Should I be doing this or should I be doing this? Trouble makes life come into focus just a little bit better. Also, it it helps us to build character, does it not? You know, you think back in history, well, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, as we know, hit 700 and... 14 home runs um, in a different era of baseball that, that where we live today. You know that Babe Ruth also struck out more than any other player uh, at the same time. I mean, what makes a guy great is you, you put him in difficult situations. He, he's the go-to man. He's, he's the guy that wants the ball with two seconds left on the clock. Uh, he's the guy that wants to be up to bat in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. It's those trials, it's those very painful and stressful situations that you go through that you, you hone yourself. You get better, you get stronger, you get more confidence, you build character. How strong would we be if our faith was never tested? 
You know, how strong would a child be if he never did anything for himself? He never lifted anything. He never played. He never ran. He just sat. He would be handicapped. And the same is true with the child of God. Without those testings, though they may be stressful and difficult to deal with, we would be weak. Our character would be undeveloped. And then finally, hardship. Well, it reminds us that this world is not our home. You know, the song says we're just passing through. Turn in your Bible. I want you to see. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to read with me what the Apostle Paul says, beginning in verse 16. He says, Therefore we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I still, it boggles my mind that Paul would say this light affliction. You tie me to a post and take a scourging instrument and whip me, well, five times, 39 times. And you take rods and you beat me with rods to where the welts just break the skin open. And you shipwreck me a couple times. And you stone me and leave me for dead. And then there's all the care of the church and brethren not getting along and fussing and fighting. And Paul said, this light affliction... I understand why Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. Man, the man must have been a physical wreck because of what he endured for the cause of Christ. But he said, "That's, that's nothing. That's just light affliction. Because what that is going to give me is an eternal weight of glory. I want to develop that mindset. I want to be able to say that no matter what happens to me in this earth, it's nothing if I get to go to heaven. When I am driven to my knees here, what do I do? I look to God. It helps me to think about heaven. I'm not so tied to this world. My fists aren't clenched with things anymore. I'm willing to let loose. I'm willing to move on. John said in Revelation, Lord, come quickly. I have had times in my life when I didn't want him to come quickly. Not because of disobedience, but I was having fun. I mean, we're, we've got children we're trying to raise. We're getting married. We're going to college. We're, we're you know, there are things you want to enjoy in life and experience. And, and I wasn't ready yet. I, I want to enjoy more of these good things that God has given us. But can you not find yourself at different points in life where you say, it'd be easier to move on? John was old and exiled, and he said, Lord, come quickly. I can see why he would say that, and maybe a 20-year-old wouldn't be able to say it with as much conviction because of their station in life. But what made John desire the coming of the Lord? Tough circumstances, hardship, the things that he's had to endure in life. 
they, they caused him to lift his eyes to heaven. And that's maybe why, or at least some of the reasons why, God's favor doesn't mean our pleasure. But it does mean his favor. I want all of us to have the favor of God. I want us all to seek that favor and to live daily with trying to please Him and make Him happy. But listen, that favor may come with heartache and hardship and discipleship that challenges you to the core. Don't resent it. Don't turn your back on God. Don't give up on it. But rather, let it focus you and hone and develop you and develop your character and drive you to your knees in prayer to to build a closer relationship to Him and let it lift your eyes to heaven so that this world, it holds nothing. Nothing of any importance. What I'm living for is heaven. Eternity with God and Jesus forever in a place where there will be no more sorrow, no more hurts and pains and struggles. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel and gain God's favor? I can't promise you that life will get easier. God didn't promise that. But I will say this, eternity will get better. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, why don't you repent of your sin upon your faith in Jesus Christ, be baptized, and God will forgive you. You'll have his favor. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, and and maybe you've been disillusioned, uh, and maybe you've let some distance come between you and God because of things that have happened and you don't understand why, use those things as stepping stepping stones to heaven. If you need the prayers of your brethren, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.